back to Cancer at 30, we have a special guest today named Dawn, and she is going to share her story of how she became a part of this lovely little cub called Cancer. Um, so Dawn, what, I guess first off, how did you find out that you had cancer? Um, so I'm the mother of five and my last two were twins and, um, I nursed them and, um, right after a year old, um, my husband actually found the lump. And so I went into the breast center and I had a mammogram. I was 37 and, um, they told me that it was indicative of a, um, a lymph node and that it was fine. It was clean and it was small and just keep an eye on it. And then about four months later, another lump um, developed on the same right side and higher. So I went back and I wasn't due for a mammogram. So they just did an ultrasound. And um, again, they told me that it was clean and it was fine. and It was not cancer, um, but it was on a tendon and it was bothering me. And my husband just had a bad feeling about it. So, in, so then I, about four months later, I went back again and um, the doctor said, it does not look like cancer, but you keep coming here and getting daycare for five kids and um, it's bothering you. So let's just send you to a breast surgeon and have them scooped out and biopsied. And um, the breast surgeon said, oh, they looked clean when I took them out. I took margins, we'll find out. And then um, two weeks later, I went to the pathology with my twins. My husband was out of town and um, the twins were just about two years old, and um, I found out they were both um, cancerous. And so then they ordered a breast MRI, and um, that came back, and they found a, a third lump on the right side. So I opted to have um, a nipple sparing bilateral mastectomy. And um, after that, I started chemotherapy about six weeks later, and um, I had a hard time with chemo. And um, I'm just, unfortunately, uh, um, that's, that's pretty much my misadventure story. So did they say like what stage you were, if you're ERPR positive, HER2 negative? Okay, so um, I'm HER2 negative and I was ERPR positive and um, I was, I caught it early. So by three lumps, um, the biggest one was about one centimeter and the other ones I think were like 0.6 and 0.9. Um, and so I went ahead and, um, uh, I went and got a second opinion because I was stage one Bravo and they both came back and they recommended because of my age, um, that I go along with the prescribed same chemotherapy treatment. And, um, my BRCA came back with a variant of uncertainty, which only seven other people had. And at this point I was 38 and, um, we had the five children and it bothered me that I had three lumps just pop up on the right side. And apparently none of them are related. Um, and they were separate and they were small. Um, so we went ahead and chose to take that uncertainty for the BRCA. And I had a full hysterectomy after I finished um, chemotherapy. And um, I've gone back to the oncologist now. And ironically, since they've redone the parameters for the treatment, they said now I would possibly with my age and um, with my onca and with um, everything else going on, I would have been a borderline recommendation for chemo if, uh, right now. But two years ago, both um, opinions said I was absolute, I would benefit from chemotherapy. 
really just by their starting to learn to back off a little bit on certain cases. That's interesting. Yes, yeah. and, and I, I will say from from chemotherapy, I really think it, it messed up my system. I mean, I've had since then. Now I have acid reflux. I have asthma. I have 38 environmental allergies, and I've had a lot of other health issues stemming from that. And I even had to drop one of the chemotherapy drugs because I was the 1% where it burnt the inside of my bladder. So that just always left me a little, and it had no sister drug. So I've always been a little worried that I did not do my whole treatment. And I was only able to get good, two good full doses. And then my last two, I was only able to tolerate one drug each. And what, what uh, drugs did they have you on for chemo? You know, I got to look up the names. Yeah. <laughs> I have to dig up my uh, chemo paperwork upstairs, but, but I do have it. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like having babies. I'm like, I'll never forget this. I'll never forget. And then now like a little bit of time and I'm like, oh, actually, I don't remember. I have it in my phone, but like, of course, whenever people ask and I try pulling it up, I'm like, hey, I know all my medicine. I don't have that. <laughs> But um, literally my, um, I thought I had a UTI the entire time during chemo and then they were treating me for UTI, giving me the benefit of doubt that I was having burning and it just wasn't registering. And then when I complained after the second treatment, my oncologist is like, you know what, in 20 years, I had another male patient with breast cancer. There's a small percentage that this drug can burn the inside of your bladder. And sure enough, that was it. So they gave me a blocker medicine while I took it, but I proceeded to still have burning and they were worried about permanent damage to my bladder. So we opted to just discontinue um, that drug for the last two treatments. So I, I pretty much my from July until like October, I would wake up and urinate four times a night. I felt like I had a UTI. It just burned and um, I just was, you know, worse than a mom bladder. Fresh. <laughs> That's to not even know. Like, I feel like that wouldn't even be listed on the side effect list of all the other things, but. Yes. So how far out are you right now from your last treatment? Um, almost two years since my, since my last treatment for um, breast cancer. And um, in fact, I just had my first trim. My hair grew, um, I lost all my hair and it started growing back, I'd say, fuzz-wise, October 2018. And um, I'm coming up on that now, like two years with hair. So that's what I kind of go by. It started growing back right at my last treatment. That's amazing that it started growing. I feel like at the end of my treatment, like, I was lucky if I had, like, one little eyebrow, <laughs> like, one little lash up yeah. here. I'm like, I know, mine ended and mine was still falling out. I was like, man... I thought we made it with this, guys. My eyelashes have had a hard time recovering. Like, they're, like, super thin now. I think I have, like, five. Do they, like, <laughs> go in spurts where you're, like, oh, I have them, and then a few weeks later, you're, like, oh, I have nothing. Yeah, it's, like, a whole bunch fall out all at once. I feel like they got wiped out, and now they're all in the same cycle where they all fall out at the same time. So, so, so are you on hormone therapy now? A lot of Romacin, and um, amazingly enough, um, I'm tolerating it because I, I always have problems with drugs or infections, it seems, but um, uh, I opted for to go aggressive, so I did the Romacin, and I started um, pretty much the chemo put me into menopause, and um, Aromacin helped maintain that, and then the full hysterectomy 
So I've been in menopause since 38. So um, is that a pill? Yeah, it's okay. a pill. I take it um, every morning. Okay. And then now you, you said you started having, so did you just start having like a lot of reactions just in general to everything that's like kickstarted with chemo? And these are just after effects? So they, they say if you were nauseous, typically with your pregnancy, you will be nauseous with chemo. Uh-huh. Um, so pretty much from once I, I had a hard time with the steroids too. Like mm-hmm. I, I had a hard time focusing, um, never felt well, always felt sick and I couldn't sleep because of the steroids. Um, what I found successful for me, um, after my treatment, I, I'm sick for seven days. I can't drive. I can't focus. I feel miserable. And then I was good to go. And I actually had him every three weeks. So I was good to go for two weeks. Um, and then by the second round, my oncologist recommended that I go in the day before and I, um, I get IV fluids. And then I, and then the morning of, I would get a whole bag of fluids before I started treatment. And I felt better after doing that. So that's like a good recommendation if people are pukerama like me, um, I'm sick all, all first trimesters of all my pregnancies. I have a hard time with anesthesia. That makes me really sick too. And um, generally, if any drug has a small side effect of nausea, I get it. Um, so really sick during chemo. I had a lot of problems with thrush. Um, just with that many steroids, I had chronic like black mouth on the inside. And then um, when my hair fell out, I developed a rash on my head. Um, I don't know if it was the hair blades trying to come in. The dermatologist really couldn't figure it out. And it was summer with sweating and oh, being in geez. menopause and the chemo. But I, I constantly had, um, it was like full-blown acne on my head. So, so what- I'm not chemo tough. That's what, that's what <laughs> I kept telling my oncologist. I'm like, I, he's like, some people have the same treatment as you and they're fine. And I'm like, who are these people? Like, they're amazing. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it was no, not me. I have problems with my pork. My, yeah. <laughs> my body rejected my pork and um, my pork got infected. So by the third treatment, I had to stop using my pork. <laughs> And then I only have a left arm because I have lymph nodes removed on my right side. So I have problems with blowing veins. So then you you said you had the bilateral mastectomy prior to chemo, correct? Yes. And lymph nodes removed, so that takes away your arm as well. So then what mm-hmm. you you said fluids was something, because I wanted to touch on that because you are someone who are who is prone more to getting the side effects. So what are the things that you found that worked best for you when okay. you were going through treatment? Um, so I was on the highest anti-nausea regime that, um, the oncology pharmacist can cock, can cock together. Um, the, the, the more hydrated I was, um, the, the better I felt. Um, so I just made sure too, um, that I would go ahead and on top of the IV the day before and the, and then the morning of, I would make sure that I would alternate drinking um, Gatorade and water to keep my electrolytes up because nothing tastes good. I don't know if you guys can agree. Like you crave sugar because it's really hard to find any taste in anything because your saliva is all out of whack. And I had a weird metallic taste in my mouth and, but I didn't want too much sugar. So I just went ahead and every chemo, I would line up like two of the medium sized Gatorades and then, I would have like two of water and that was my goal was to make sure I, I finished those uh, during the day and I stayed hydrated. I, I had some issues, but not, not like, not like that. Um, so then the medication that you're on right now 
for the hormone therapies, are you tolerating that very well? I'm, I'm tolerating it fine. So I have probably during chemo, I would have about nine hot flashes a day. And um, we, I tried, there's three types of medicines you can have. One made me overly tired and one made me not be able to sleep. And when he offered me the third, I said, I'm just going to sweat through this. I'm, I'm not going to go ahead and try to stop menopause and the hot flashes. And so what we did was we bought like a cooler mattress liner. Um, uh, they're, they're pretty expensive, but it makes it cool because, you know, my husband was like wearing a hoodie sweatshirt and I was like dying of the heat. Um, that too, it changed my whole sleep everything. Yeah, as I have not, I tell everybody, I have not slept through the night since I've had breast cancer because with the expanders and everything and you really can't sleep, it's so uncomfortable. And then with menopause and just the hot flashes and everything, it's, it's just really hard to get a good night's sleep. But um, I think I slept better with newborn twins than I than I did with cancer. I was going to say, I don't think like the, worst, the closest I can compare is having little kids. And even then, a baby is nothing to the amount of times I wake up now. It's just crazy. Sleep in general. I think just hormonal and everything on top of the hot flashes and everything else. It just makes it so hard. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to step up my game. I've been sleeping with an ice pack in my bed. <laughs> I do that when I go out of town now. And a couple times I've been in a hotel, I'm like, oh, it's so hot in this bed. <laughs> I get a little ice zip lock and I'm, I, well, I do say, I think I'm down to about four to six hot flashes a day now, um, two years later. And then I just get my bone density scanned because um, um, the aromasin, obviously, the low estrogen depletes at your bone density. So I'm at high risk for early onset osteo. And so I have that once a year and that's been going pretty well. So I just got my bone density back and it was like 10% lower than last year. So they're going to start me on an infusion. So have you had to to do an infusion twice a year? Okay. So um, with the infusion, my oncologist recommended too. But um, I'm having a lot of other health Ill health issues now. So I do see an endocrinologist, and he recommended I do not get the infusion. He says I am way too young, and um, it, the side effects um, are very severe. So it, that might be something if you wanted to get a second opinion with an endocrinologist. And I love my oncologist that I had. I mean, he would he'd comfort me when I cried. He'd listen to my concerns and go overboard. So I... If I did not get the second, this other, these other health issues, I probably would have gone with the infusion. But now my endocrinologist is like, no, you're 40, absolutely not. So do they, do they feel you're at a higher risk for all of the side effects with that infusion or just in general, like? In, in general, um, they just have a lot of, a lot of side effects. Um, I'm not really sure exactly what, I know my mom had, um, you know, she's older, she's 69, mm-hmm. but she had an infusion two years ago and she had a lot of side effects, but there's more side effects having it younger from what I understand from my endocrinologist. But that's something I really, because once he said no and named a couple of the things about a year ago, I was like, yeah, I'm out. So <laughs> what, what do they do then to help supplement besides like vitamin D and calcium? Um, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Um, I'm on tons of calcium because um, a year after breast cancer, um, I, a crazy story. I don't know if you want to go into it. Yeah. I developed a chronic tickle in my throat and a cough, um, which they worry about, you know, the cancer spreading. And so I had a CT scan and they found another another mass in my thyroid. 
and um, but it looked clean and everything again. And so um, they said, oh, okay, we're, we're just gonna um, leave it and watch it. And um, that I ended up not listening and I went to an ear, nose and throat doctor and he recommended a needle aspiration or just to remove my right thyroid gland and full biopsy. And that's what I went with. And they ended up finding two cancerous masses and um, ironically, they said it's not causing the tickle in your throat. Like I had this, this cough for six months and come to find out when he removed my, um, my right thyroid gland, my anatomy is a little bit off and my thyroid is set way back than the average bear. And the 1% chance I have never coughed again and I don't have the tickle in my throat. So it's, it was a blessing that I had the tickle in the throat because they ended up finding two papillary thyroid cancer masses, and then they had to go in and remove the last. So now I have no thyroid and I had to go through radiation for that, but they hit my parathyroid on the way, which is pretty common, but it's not that common to be fully hypocalcemic. And so I don't produce any calcium on my own now. So then so I have to take set medicine. Yeah. I was in the ICU step down for a while until we got my meds right. And now I just carry like a briefcase and I take it on time. Yeah, we. I think the last time we saw you, you, you had had that whole thing. So where do you stand right now with everything, with your health, with breast cancer, with your thyroid, just everything in general? Well, the um, breast cancer did not run in my family, um, premenopausal. I had it, my dad's mom had it postmenopausal, so they say there's not a relation. Um, and then um, papillary thyroid cancer is very common in females. I believe it's age 30 to 50 typically um, Asian females and then white females. So I just happen like breast cancer is common amongst females and papillary thyroid cancer. So they're not related and I happen to get that. Um, and then all during this, I had a really bad headache during the night and I had my head scan and they found a pituitary mass. And um, it was determined um, this past spring that I have acromegaly. So I, my horde, the, it's a benign tumor, mm -hmm. um, most likely benign. Um, they had a failed at removal attempt this past July to get it out. Um, but it's producing gro growth hormone and my feet pretty much went from a size eight and a half to a 10 and my hands enlarged and I can't wear like my wedding rings. And, um, I could wear them even throughout all my pregnancies. And so eventually, um, if we don't get my growth hormone down, it can cause early onset of diabetes and heart issues, um, forehead growth, teeth separation. So, and that again is not related to breast cancer or thyroid cancer. I'm just extremely um, unlucky health-wise. <laughs> so, has anyone in your family had any anything like this? I mean, do you have anything to? compare it to or to you know what I mean like just some no, kind of um, so um, pituitary tumors are pretty rare um, but they're it's even more rare that they're cancerous um, uh, in fact my endocrinologist is super old and he said he has never come across a cancerous one um, and then it's a, it was like a five and a half hour surgery with a ear nose and throat and a neurosurgeon and they saw it and they cut it but it's half the size of my fingernail and um, during the process, it wasn't sucked out. And so um, now I'm on growth hormone blockers and um, we're trying to regulate that. My levels are going down, but they're still high. And then most likely um, a, another surgery attempt will be in the future because um, it is a harder surgery. So it's good to have younger to recover from it. But um, the 
the masses are slow growing in a pituitary. However, it's right be between um, an artery and um, your, your, your vision, your optic nerve. So like people lose their vision, they have heart problems, um, diabetes. So it's something as this tumor grows, I'm gonna be looking at more health issues in the future. So they prefer to just try to take them out. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So what do you what do you find is that has been helping you to just kind of keep going forward? My family's great, um, very supportive. And then I'm kind of looking at it this way. I I just when I say my prayers, I'm like, you know, I can handle this, but please don't make my family have to go through health issues. Just let me bear the burden. So, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Man, girl, you were very, very tough. <laughs> very, very tough. I know. My, um, I probably should have brought my medicine case in here. I, uh, I still have another um, breast reconstruction to finish. I was supposed to have it during quarantine, and it got canceled. And and then the summer got canceled with the pituitary tumor surgery. So I'm looking at having it in the next couple of weeks. And the plastic surgeon was like, how old are you? I have never seen so much medicine. <laughs> I said, I know. Just like your story to me just really brings home how it's not just simple cut dry pink ribbit, you know, tied in a box. There's so many more layers and so much more that people just, you know, don't have any idea of what happens from the healthy side to the not healthy side to what happens, you know, once you cross that line and and what can spur from treatment or you know what I mean? It's just mm -hmm. um I don't think I think it's really nice to be able to share that it's not just easy, you know? No. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I, and I, yeah. But I think some people, like when I went in, I'm like, okay, I just take these things. Nothing's going to go wrong. I just follow the steps and it's going to be done. And it didn't happen. And I was like, why, what is going wrong? Why do these things keep happening? But I've yet to meet someone where it is just a steady, um, everything goes smooth and everything's, you know, so everyone has bumps and hiccups and different twists. And um, I think it's just so important to share that and make everyone know that you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. Like yep. And, and, and like you were saying, during the process, everyone's like, once you get through this, you're done. You know, you yeah. got this, but it's been this onion because you're under such a microscope with your health. And then when you peel an onion away, you find more and more layers. And that's kind of how a lot of my health issues have come about is I was under a microscope and, and, and now, you know, I have a bad lab and they find this out and they find that out. So you wonder how many people are, are actually in poor health walking around, but they're living life like they're not. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I and, and I will say, probably for you guys too, because you are um, military spouses, I get a lot of anxiety thinking that I have to move and leave my doctors. Because for yes. breast cancer, um, from what I understand, um, a mammogram is useless to us now because we have so much scar tissue. Mm -hmm. So it is all just, you know, an exterior touch. Well, you want the same oncologist, um, you know, or the same breast surgeon, whoever did your surgery, to be the one being like, "Hey, I don't, I don't think this is scar tissue." Yeah. Um, and same thing with my my thyroid. Um, you know, the, the imagery is useless. I have so much scar tissue there, and so it's I go every six months to just get touched um, to make sure that there's there's no new new bumps popping up. Do you find so yourself with, like um, our lifestyle and then doctors leaving too? And then as long as like people moving, I feel like I'm lacking that, um, that continuity of care mm -hmm. that I, that I depend on. 
do you find yourself like I find myself just like constantly touching like I like, do not like yeah like, I do not like to touch my breast in the shower I, I I get so nervous because it seemed like my mass has popped up out of nowhere I don't mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys but I mean, really, I mean, I, I consider myself soaping my body pretty well, but at 37, it's like it just came overnight, and I don't even remember when the second one popped up, and, and the second one ended up just was one centimeter, like, out of nowhere. Yeah, and that's, that's. I mean, I got checked, and a month later, there was a lump there, and then they took a scan, and it, it was just, like, the whole thing lit up, and I was yeah. like, how did this happen? How did it just happen? Because that's what it feels like. It feels like overnight, it was like something just sprouted and it just went, yeah. and then it's just. I really struggle with. I think we've talked about this before on on the podcast, but like pictures from before, I'm like, was that already? Like, was there a whole bunch of cancer in there? And I didn't. I try to look back, and it bothers me just to even um, look at them because I don't know. In my mind, I don't. I'm not just looking at the picture. I'm like, was I already? Was this already happening? If I had known then, would things be different? You know, I don't know. Just can drive you crazy. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I know with my personality, I would not have been content with a lumpectomy. So just just for me and mastectomy, and even if I was borderline chemotherapy treatment for being only stage one Bravo, um, I probably would have opted for for, for chemo. Yeah. Um, just, just knowing how I like to cross my T's and dot my I's and, and kind of hopefully let's go extreme now so we can relax on the backside. Um, I feel like we've all been that same. I'm like, do it, take them, do everything. Yeah. I'm like, can I take more medicine? And they're like, no, you're good. This is the right. And I'm like, no, actually load me up. <laughs> and like, yeah. That's like with the hysterectomy. They're like, well, you know, we recommend a partial, but if you need to go on a tamoxifen, you need to go ahead and get your uterus checked. And I was just like, no, just just pull it. <laughs> it's like pull everything. Yeah, it's just, you know, ugh, ugh. I'm just I'm really happy that you are sharing your story. I'm happy that others get to hear another story besides ours because I think it is extremely important to let people know how like the box that you put cancer in before you have cancer mm-hmm. is not even a box. It is like full-blown house you know what I mean you can't you can't put one person like oh she has breast cancer and she has breast cancer you guys go here it's like nope and it keeps going it's not it's not a you do this and you're done and I'm you know like I felt I felt sick and the the funny thing is is that I'm I didn't even sign up for a wig I thought I would be fine bald I really don't care what other people think but I actually had a really hard time being bald because people would buy me meals and you know, just be very nice and generous, but it, it made me feel that I looked sick and that yeah. the public thought I was sick and it made my kids feel pretty uncomfortable. Like they, they, they felt like I was sick and their friends would say stuff, oh, your mom has no hair. And I, it's so when I look back, I would probably go back and have a wig, at least if I went in public with my children, um, just to make them feel more like, hey, mommy's strong. She's not sick because they had a hard time with it. They'd be like, mom, so-and-so asked what's wrong with you and why are people doing this nice stuff? Are you okay? And so I did not realize how much, you know, having no hair, I didn't think it would affect me, but it ended up affecting me emotionally through my children. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a very important point too, is because your kids were, I mean, Mary Alice, your kids were older and cognizant of it. My kids were young, and I mean, you have five kids, so you had a good, what, probably three of them that were very aware? 
10 through two yeah. at the stage. Yeah, the youngest were two and then the oldest was 10, all in, all in that and just trying to keep active with the school and sports and stuff like that. And husbands being gone, I, I'm the one that drove and I would wear a ball cap, but you know, you still, you still yeah. could look bald through it. Yeah. Oh, man. What about just anything you would say to someone starting this journey and um, just any um, advice, anything you'd want to say, you've learned anything? I, I do hate that saying that um, it, it's true, but basically, God wouldn't give you more than you can handle. I mean, it, it is true, but when people say that in my head, I really said nothing nice back. <laughs> so, it, or everything happens for a reason. Yeah, maybe true, but I don't want to be hearing it now. So I, I think if you could kind of like, maybe just put a disclaimer out there that, you know, they might come for you as the person trying to go ahead and talk down my illness to make yourself feel better because you're uncomfortable about my health and worry that you could get cancer at 37 too with projection. But, um, but just don't say those lines. <laughs> yeah, We've talked about I, that I, before. The way people yeah. say things, it's like they don't, they don't filter it through their head and, and it comes to you and you just look at them and you're like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and, and also I would, people would ask me how you can help. And again, all of us live for our kids and I'm like, just just be kind to my kids and look out for my kids because I don't I don't want your pity. I'll, I'll take prayers and well wishes. I don't want your pity, but but this is hard on my kids. Uh, you know, like our house has been disrupted, our routine, and um, you know they're so young to have to go through this. So in fact, push the prayers towards them for healing and ask them, hey, you're having a good day, or hey, do you want to go on a bike ride? So yeah. I I think that's. Um, a good way to tell people going through it is make sure you have a support network for your, for, for you, but also your children because it's, it's rough. <laughs> yeah. Without the truth. Great. Especially like as a military spouse, when you're the one that's used to doing everything, it's just one more <laughs> thing that yeah. you're like, really. And, um, and also I, I love your support group. That's something I totally would have never have done. Um, I appreciate it. I, I really, I read about it and I went out on the limb and I, I showed up and it was great to talk and cry with you guys. Cause I do hate to talk about it because I get stuffed up and I cry cause I haven't made lemonade out of it completely yet. And then that concerns my children more. So I, I, I find myself now, it's pretty sad, like for their soccer and stuff, almost trying to avoid parents that are gonna just be nice and ask me, hey, how's your health? And then, you know, you break down crying and you lose your effectiveness and then it worries your children. But with you guys and your support group, it was great because I could let my guard down and we can all, you know, swap stories and yeah, about, you know, blowing IVs and infections. You guys have been through your uh, horrible infections and, and, and trudged along and just, you know, little things that helped us sleep. And so I, I will say you guys were a blessing in disguise and I'm glad I showed up that day. We're glad. Yeah, we're very glad you showed up too. And we just want to thank you for taking time out and for, for doing this and for sharing your story because it's so important that we share our stories. And we just, I feel like one of the biggest things from cancer is you feel alone. And I think you, I think our situation is a little bit special in particular because we are military and we're used to doing things alone, but then we're raising children on top of that. And we're trying to run a household and we're trying to do all the things and wear all the hats. And it, 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 completely shatters everything so yes thank you we appreciate you and uh thanks for joining us today
Bye, guys. Have a nice night.